This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. By golly, the rain has cleared out of here in the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country, and we've got a sunny day, and uh, maybe we'll get a good jump start on the weekend here. And... Uh, let the retention ponds recede and the water run off the road and the potholes return to potholes, uh, which really have been potholes filled with water. In a Potsdam County, they don't fix roads. They don't like roads. They have they actually hate roads. And um, good luck with that. So this is Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center inside the Melon Law Studio in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, which is God country, as you might already have determined from my enthusiasm about our geographical location. Political location is not all that hot. I mean, we're in the middle of a super blind, super deaf, liberal community compromised by all sorts of personal issues they have from LTGBTQWXYZ all the way out to the race card, which just actually is like having a, a brain tumor or something that keeps them from thinking straight uh, about issues that should be dealt with just rather objectively and clinically, if you will, if that's the right word. But that doesn't exist, I'm learning, in uh, so much discourse that goes on in uh, the communities nowadays. And we covered some of this yesterday with our, our good guest, Mitchell Shaw, who, who talked about the uh, world we live in now with artificial intelligence and the loss of privacy at all. So it's um, a different kind of cosmos. Um, you know, we have trouble finding young ones, for example, young people who actually want to do manual work. Uh, they'd rather play video games or be connected to this apparatus I'm connected to right now, uh, talking with you all. So um, this is pre uh, presenting a big problem in the rural communities because uh, we're running out of farm hands. Once upon a time, there used to be a term called farm hand, and it really meant that you had a person who Lend, uh, lent a hand on the farm. And um, the work on the farm is not about mechanisms, uh, although it has been, of course, translated into tractors and things of that nature, but we still fix fence by hand. We still dig up a thistle weed by a spade and shovel. Uh, we still do hammer and nailing, uh, all that sort of business. So, um, um, it's a lost. It's a lost generation, really, on of this particular uh, rural front, and we fight it constantly uh, with more and more city folk running the fairs of people um, uh, um, that uh, you know they really don't have much uh, experience with. So today, I want to just talk locally again, sort of lead off with some local things here. Um, that are of interest to, to some local people here. There's a, you know, this is a free speech issue, I guess I'm going to speak about. Uh, it's been um, 
brewing in one of our local communities here for a while, the High Springs. High Springs has got the name Springs for a reason. It's very near a lot of springs, in case you're listening to us in some other parts of the world. Uh, cave diving and that business has always been a, uh, a, 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 a an event here that draws people from all over the world. And they come here and it's rather a tourist uh, economy in that respect. It's a kind of a quaint uh, part of the county. Uh, it's unique in that it has uh, uh, these springs that attract people I've seen here locally from Germany and everywhere else who come here to cave dive. And um, it has been for a long time, it's struggled to remain such. Uh, this is basically kind of the issue we have going on in Florida. Uh, we have um, too many Yankees coming. And uh, we talk about that. I mean, they're just flooding down here out of these poorly governed blue states to get away from the heavy taxation, um, the, the heavy regulations, uh, the dense city violence and crime, the lousy schools, the uh, whole nine yards, the intensification of their living accommodations. And they come here and we're just hoping that they don't bring with them um, their own uh, kinds of uh, problems and transplant them here. Uh, but we can't stop it. And um, we can't really stop what happens in High Springs either, any more than we can stop what happens at the Georgia border. Uh, people are going to come to these communities. Uh, initially, of course, the smaller ones run by, sort of, so to speak, church folk caved into the uh, uh, abolition uh, um, deniers or abolition, you know, uh, people against abolition and, you know, became wet. High Springs was one of the last uh, communities around here to actually allow liquor, you know, liquor, that old uh, stuff that'll make you lose your mind, you know. And of course, with the liquor, we opened up uh, restaurants and that sort of world. Uh, but there's still a tug of war going on about to what degree do we keep the old and to what degree do we allow the new. And I guess this is what's happened with something that's come to be known as wall dogs in the High Springs area. Wall dogs, as I understand it, are outside groups who come in to paint murals on walls. And um, the issue is a lot of people in the old guard, if you will, or the ambiance that attracted them initially uh, to High Springs is quaint, uh, tree-lined, uh, uh, water-surrounded uh, area. Um, object to, you know, uh, a lot of things that, that are gaudy in their, in their taste, um, that are in poor taste. And yet wall dogs have come here from outside the community, as I understand it, with some encouragement probably from people within the community who represent the new people transplanted perhaps into the community. And they want to allow people to come, the, the sidewalk artist, if you will, to come and paint on the walls. Now, I do have some experience with this because we have in Gainesville what's known as the 34th Street Wall. And the 34th Street Wall is, I, geez, I, I don't know how many coats of paint it's got on it, but every student who wants to, or any, any activist who wants to make a statement goes to the 34th Street Wall all hours of the day and night and plants up and throws up whatever he wants or she wants to throw up there. Um, I guess I should use they now for an individual who's in a sexual fluidity. But anyway, uh, but the, with, with one exception that is sacred on that wall, and that is the memorial to the Danny Rawling murder of the students. 
Uh, that has been uh, there since 1990. When you think about it, that is over 30 years. And it is protected. It is uh, occasionally some dimwit comes along who doesn't know the history of that and uh, uh, defaces it in some way, generally not intentionally, just thinking there's space that I need to paint over and use. And it's immediately corrected. Uh, it is a memorial memorial on a public wall about a public incident uh, that really forever changed this community. Now, in the High Springs area, um, the, the debate has been about, well, we can't really uh, stop you from going on private walls if the private owner of a brick storefront wants a wall dog to paint something on it. Uh, that's something we can't stop. I mean, that gets into the... Um, First, you know, the First Amendment, the Constitution, all these things, um, Bill, Bill of Rights, you name it. The whole thing is somehow violated by the fact that it's being done by a private property owner, but the public sees it. And, and that's that's something that is debated. Now, I don't know how this will wind up, but it is an interesting conversation about what are uh, the collision points between uh, the public interest and the private rights. And as it stands right now, I think the city is in limbo about this. They're not sure how to legislate this, if they can, what policy or rules they can actually pass as a city commission or council to uh, limit the, basically the gaudiness of what some depict as gaudiness, other would see, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, uh, see as attractive. So it's a, it's a discussion that we'll keep uh, an eye on. Members of the research team have been keeping me up to date on this. Uh, I don't really think it's reached the critical point yet of, of uh, real, real uh, uh, need to figure out what actually has to be done or needs to be done or can be done. But it is an issue that is really larger than just murals on a wall. It has to do with free speech. It has to do with the public versus the private. And it has to do with art and who just determines what art is and where it goes and how it's financed. So I wanted to cover that a little bit with you locally. Um, the other thing that's just amazing to me, and I got this message yesterday from the mayor of Newberry. Um, you know, Archer is, um, we have 11 municipalities in this county. If you count the county government itself, I think that's the number. And Archer has always been in this county, uh, the redheaded stepchild, if you will. Uh, once upon a time, it was home to the landfill and everybody's trash went to Archer. And uh, Archer literally got trashed. And Archer is a quaint historical community, uh, a lot of natural beauty there, uh, but it's an out of the way part of the county without any commerce, uh, without anything to attract it, other than the fact that it's practically a bedroom community of the big hospitals here because uh, uh, you can live in Archer and in 15, 20 minutes be at work at the hospitals. And in Archer, you can live a quiet life kind of out of the way of the hustle and bustle because they have deliberately, the county commission kept that place from growing. And the way they've kept it from growing is by denying it any possible way through the county and through the GRU system, Gainesville Regional Utilities, of ever having a wastewater treatment plant. 
if you if you put the whole town on septics, which it has been on, is on, then you can limit growth. Uh, you can't you you can't grow very big if you have to have a septic tank uh, stuck in the yard or underneath the uh, parking lot uh, of something of that nature, and you're just limited. Now, I was the city manager of Archer for a while and brought down there by a desperate plea uh, from the confusion and the chaos of the commission and inhabitants of the town themselves. It is a dysfunctional community. Uh, they, they eat their own there, uh, very cannibalistic. Um, they argue among themselves. There's a, your typical political busybody there who has her nose in everybody's business. And then there's a kind of a zany off the wall uh, commissioner who makes no sense and likes to hear herself talk. Um, and then there's other people who all get beat up by those two people. And, and uh, one of the damage and one of the, uh, the detritus of all this, if you will, is a great word. Um, the, uh, the, the, the chip, the detritus is the chip pieces off of a rock. And, and so uh, the detritus from this is, is, um, fired city managers and when I came down there they had fired four or five people before me and they had come to Alachua where I was very involved in government and asked for help and so I was sent down there to be the city manager and immediately I realized the problem was the city commissioners themselves and basically it was two of them and uh, the two people can it's the old adage if one rotten apple can rot the whole barrel and that's what had been going on. Nobody can control these loudmouth, meddlesome commissioners, these two. And uh, they were ruining it for everybody else. Uh, you just had to really um, deal with them head up. And, and you had to be careful because all they needed was one more cohort and they could fire you, which they'd been doing. But two couldn't fire you. Three could because they had the five city commissioners. And the first thing I realized is the fault of the city and its dysfunctional nature was the commissioners, those two themselves. Uh, called one of them in and point blank asked her why she just didn't quit. That uh, they had called us down here to analyze the problem and analyze the problem was them, was they, to have the nominative case pronoun right here since it's a linking verb. And uh, then the other one I uh, actually uh, uh, showed the uh, uh, the commissioners, how they they themselves, I did not do it. They themselves censored that commissioner. And um, it uh, was really a, a, the knockout blow to her uh, uncontrollable, uh, disruptive uh, uh, force in the commission. Uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, out of desperation, the mayor and all of them other, asked me, what can we do about this? I said, use your rules and uh, censor her. And they did, and that sort of stopped the bleeding. But the point was, one of the things I had recognized is they needed a water treatment plant. And uh, I went to GRU and realized that was gonna be hopeless because getting a water treatment plant to Archer, down Archer Road, uh, engineering-wise would have been easy. But to get approval, it would have had to go through uh, the City Commission of Gainesville since they uh, govern GRU, then GRU has a board, uh, then it would have to go through the county commission since we're going over county property, then it would have to indeed even approve by the Archer City Commission, which was dysfunctional. The one person we censored kept complaining, well, 
if we don't go with GR, what about the bundle? What about the bundle? And I said, what the heck is the obsession with the bundle? Well, the bundle was, uh, you know, Internet um, that would come with, you know, my golly. I mean, you're not going to dry your town up economically because you don't have Internet. You're going to dry your town up economically because you don't have uh, a treatment, a water treatment plant. And if, if GRU is not going to cooperate, then the city of Gainesville is not. And by the way, this is Mike Byerly's district, if there were such a thing as true districts, which there aren't. Um, he uh, would never help. So nobody would help the people. So I made the suggestion, look, you're down. All these little towns are, in this county are 10 miles apart from each other because that's basically how far a horse could travel comfortably in one day. So Archer is 10 miles from Newberry. Uh, Newberry has a treatment plant, but they had outgrown it. This, the whole area there is growing so fast, it needed a bigger capacity. So I approached the mayor and I approached the reasonable city commissioners and said, listen, you know, I'm gonna engineer a deal where you connect up with Newberry and go in cahoots with them on a treatment plant. Well, that got killed because the crazy commissioners couldn't see their way through the fog to make it happen and actually died on the vine of its own internal dysfunction. That was probably 2010, 2011 when I was there. So it's been a decade at least since yours truly first made this suggestion. And uh, it would seem very reasonable. I'd been to Newberry. Newberry was very agreeable to it. Uh, Archer itself couldn't get off the dime, couldn't make up its mind. And, you know, this taught me a lot about politicians and their limitations and how they're saddled with their own um, lenses that they see through. Um, you know, I mentioned the other day that the, the, the admittedly gay one on the county commission uh, is all about gay issues, which is a, just a personal private issue. And, and you know, I don't see how it, it, it elevates itself to the public issue uh, to the extent that uh, the county commission 5-0 voted to endorse that person's uh, 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 motion. It, it doesn't, in, in the priority of life, it doesn't, for all people, it doesn't really rank as a top concern. So, but water treatment plant and septic tanks uh, versus septic tanks do rank as a top concern because you are limited. And imagine all the environmental issues that are involved with uh, septic tanks leaking into the aquifer, which is resplent with that issue in uh, that area. Because how often do you clean the septic tank? Well, ideally, you'd clean yours every four or five years. I guarantee you that doesn't go on in Archer. So lo and behold, yesterday, I get a message from the mayor of Newberry, our good friend, uh, Mayor Marlowe, who says, guess what? Yesterday, I guess it was, the city of Archer voted unanimously to, well, take up yours truly's idea 10 years later. And there we are. As I understand it, Archer will eventually have a water treatment plant and you will be able to get off the septic tanks if that'll be a problem, logistic problem, how will they do it? A whole bunch of problems come up. But at least that is going to, and the nice thing about it is you don't have to get GRU's permission. And uh, the heck with them. 
And so, so uh, this is a hopeful sign. It's very amazing to me. Uh, and it's down to leadership. I, I, you know, I counseled quite a bit with the guys in Newberry and said, and I counseled with the attorney to Archer. I've counseled with the attorney to Archer for a couple of years and said, you know, don't you think you could maybe advise these people a little bit on what common sense tells you is the way to go? And so I guess maybe perhaps this is finally an idea reached its time. You know, um, it certainly is going to change uh, Archer. Now, you have to recall uh, how onerous the government of a liberal community is. Waldo is um, uh, has to have its water main run up to it from 39th and Waldo Road here in Gainesville. Um, they wanted to have, because they're growing, even Waldo is growing. And so when they finally got the approval, and it was uh, 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 not Lauren Poe, but the previous uh, mayor who ran through the stop sign, and, uh, and it was all liquored up and all, I uh, can't remember his name now, um, the, the gay mayor, gay, I hate that word. But anyway, he uh, and, and the cohorts at GRU said, okay, we'll run the water main up there to Waldo, but we'll only let it be a 10-inch main. And the reason they did that, as opposed to a 12-inch main, is a world of difference, because a 12-inch main would accommodate growth from one northern part of Gainesville all the way up to Waldo, uh, but the 10-inch won't, the 12-inch would. And so I asked the city manager of Waldo, why didn't you ask for the 12-inch? Um, why didn't you... Uh, um, um, hold your guns on that. And they said, because if we had insisted on that, they wouldn't have allowed us to have the 10 inch. So this was the way, this is the way GRU, regional utilities, and in cahoots with the Gainesville City Commission idiots who landed here, the DNA for them in 1947 when the UFO arrived by the Lake of the Stupids, keep these municipal governments from growing. And because uh, the, the absolute hateful image on the target for Alachua County and the city of Gainesville is the word growth. They hate that word. So they hate roads. They steal from the gas tax. They don't fix roads with the gas tax. They pay guys to mow the roads because they fired the labor they had from um, the inmates because, oh, my God, that. We can't let people drive in. This is the truth. We can't let uh, Karl uh, Marx Hutch Hutchison, the communist commissioner, engineer this whole thing. Why, my golly, we can't let people drive into a beautiful Alachua County and see prisoners cleaning the roads. My God, we can't do that. They shouldn't even be prisoners in the first place for crying out loud. What are we doing? So all of a sudden, with a knee-jerk reaction, um, away goes the inmate labor and along comes the county labor to the tune of 15 bucks an hour at least with all benefits and, uh, and, and to do the job half as good if that as the inmate labor was doing it all for the visual impression a newcomer might get to the county and it's all the money to pay the people came out of the gas tax and yours truly is the one who discovered it. And nobody even begins to ask the questions yours truly asks. So it is amazing that uh, anything gets done 
with these type of people squashing everything around the community. So it is uh, a very, very interesting and finally uh, to me, because I had a personal uh, uh, um, attempt at this um, uh, to get to get Archer into uh, a, a, a world where they could begin to enjoy a better standard of living. Uh, now, that's going to be controversial, of course, uh, because those who want to live in a quaint little community of the moss-limbed uh, oak trees uh, might not want growth, and they might be satisfied with a septic tank. But there's only one restaurant, for example, when I was there, a very good one uh, in the city of Archer, very good, which could only accommodate X number of people because they couldn't make a parking lot big enough to accommodate more people. Um, uh, and, and, uh, and so, uh, and I'm going to respond to Plan Nation Mark here, and he's got he's exactly right. Um, so they could only have so big, uh, so many tables in the restaurant because they couldn't have a big enough parking lot because most of the parking lot was consumed by septic tank. So there you go. There you are. Now, Mark makes a good point. The labor in the pipe size is not, is not the expense. The running a 12-inch pipe to Waldo from Gainesville would not be the expense. It's the labor that's the expense. So logic, now this, get this now. These, this is politicians. I bet you there's not a person on God's green earth in this community who knows this but me. And if they do, they've kept shut, their mouth shut about it. Um, the expense is not in the diameter of the pipe. The expense is in digging the earth to put the pipe in. So wouldn't common sense tell you that while you're doing the expensive thing, you put the biggest pipe in you could? Because wouldn't common sense tell you sooner or later you're going to have to put a bigger pipe in because you ain't going to stop the Yankees from coming to Florida? No, no, they don't think that way. They only think with a particular set of blinders on. It be it the LGBTQWXYZ or the race card or the anti-road or the anti-growth or uh, you know any number of blinders uh, these commissioners wear. They, they cannot, you know why blinders are there. That's to keep the horse from looking to side to side and being distracted from the direction you want the horse to go in. So uh, they are all Blind, they're, they're, who, who put the blinders on them? The Democrat Party did. The ideology of the Democrat Party, because every single commissioner in the city commission of Gainesville and the county commission of Alachua are Democrats. Okay? They choke off all the, if they can, they choke off all the other municipal governments. They did it with the Growth Management Act, which I will never forgive the mayor of Alachua for not helping us with. Um, they now can go in and fiddle around with what's going on inside uh, a municipal government. Let me give you a classic example, which I, I you don't know about. Um, you, you've forgotten your institutional memory if you ever knew about it. One of the Ward Scott fraud files when we're on the radio uh, we made a recording of this and played it over the air. There used to be in High Springs uh, a conversation about something known as a cat sanctuary. There was a cat sanctuary in High Springs 
that fell on hard times, um, that uh, became odorous. Uh, um, the, the, the place was a, uh, you know, there's such a thing as air pollution too, you know. Uh, it was knowing the heck out of the neighbors. Nobody could get the owner of the sanctuary to knuckle under and, as I remember it, and take care of the sanctuary. And so the city manager, the city attorney, uh, they came to the county commission to address the county commission about it. And they wanted to uh, have uh, voice their concern uh, for uh, this. And they were informing the county commission that they were going to, you know, take down the cat sanctuary because it was violating all sorts of uh, of beautification. You know, you name the criterion. The neighbors were going crazy about it. And so they came and lo and behold, okay, this Mike Barley, okay, who Ken Cornell would like to be like. I used to call Ken Cornell mini Mike. He, you know, he wanted so badly to be like Mike Barley. Mike Barley, this is how, this is how diabolical that guy is. He found out that the cat sanctuary, are you ready for this? Was actually situated in an enclave in the city of High Springs. Now, what is an enclave? An enclave is a piece of property that is actually in the county that never wanted to be absorbed into the city. Uh, there's an enclave right now between me and a big in uh, a big neighborhood uh, to the north of to the west of me, and in between are about 60 acres of county land. Now, let me tell you what that has done. That the, the land on the, uh, on the western side of this enclave all has cable TV. Now, I don't care about cable TV, but anyway, all, all the houses there have cable TV. The land on the other side of the enclave does not have cable TV. It's in the city of Alachua. And the part that has cable TV is also in the city of Alachua. But the 60 acres or so between these two neighborhoods is county and they don't and, and, and Cox Cable will not go across county land from a city government to another city government if there's county land in between without the approval of the residents of that county land. Now, it, that, that, this is just the way enclaves work for one level. So Barley found out that the cat sanctuary was actually in the county inside the city. And he told the city attorney of High Springs, the city manager of High Springs to go pound sand that he was not going to vote. And nobody could figure out why until finally we determined that the people who ran the sanctuary supposedly, allegedly, gave Barley campaign money. So there you go. So the cat sanctuary never got policed, removed, or disciplined by the city in which the cat sanctuary sat, but it was really the county sitting in the city. And finally, the cat sanctuary died of its own ineptness. But that was a tremendous learning moment for me. Now, the same thing is going on with these municipal governments with this Growth Management Act. 
they basically took Byerly's philosophy and extended it into the municipal governments and said, thou shalt not approve any growth inside a municipal government without us, the county, weighing in on it. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. Isn't that something? So this solution, and this is the, my explanation for why finally this is the only way Archer will ever free itself from the red-headed stepchild classification is it partnered with another municipal government and gave the international fighter pilot salute to the city of Gainesville who controls GRU. And as Paul Harvey used to say, now you know the rest of the story. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files after a break for our sponsors. Thank you so much for listening to that. And hopefully you understood how it works or it doesn't work. Be right back. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352 284 3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octon, octon. The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much schnell! That warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here today. I uh, just had my city manager hat on talking with you about how uh, the creaky wheels of government don't creak uh, um, um, quietly. They make all sorts of noise and um, really, if you, it's a it's a constant rolling a rock up the hill to get anything done. Um, did want to talk just briefly about our story. Uh, we'll post these uh, links out on the uh, Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. Um, you have been, of course, aware of the fact that Ward Scott Files has been through Mark Glazer, our investigator, instigator, uh, pursuing whatever might be the truth about voter beef and and. Uh, we're finding out some quite alarming things. And our initial kind of data search has now expanded itself throughout the state of Florida. <clears throat> and it's probably resulted in some way, shape or form, helping the governor form his elections um, uh, committee that is going to look into 
uh, when when it needs to vote or behave. And and this uh, uh, effort has been a long, um, uh, consistent type of challenge to get government to do anything about it. Now, you can extrapolate what this means on a larger scale. Um, there's all sorts of stories, you know, about how a voter beep is a hoax and this and that one another. But how do you know? If you know what we know and know what how difficult it is to get past, let's just say the supervisor elections who are really sitting on their duff. Um, I, these people draw enormous salaries, don't much do anything but shuffle the votes and you know, every once in a while, you know, do some clerical work on districting or, but they're not, they're not really on their game. And, and, and uh, so what really exposed it and initiated it was this influx of Zuckerbucks. And all of a sudden, you know, we were tipped off. And, you know, the research team is probably more powerful than even the state attorney's investigating forces. Um, this state attorney is probably going to be a one-term state attorney. Uh, it just it's mounting dis uh, disgust with him. Um, but our investigative team is probably bigger than his. And and um, I can just I, I don't I don't have the numbers, but I can tell you that many of you out there are members of it and supply me with information, very reliable information. So we got tipped off about Zuckerbucks. Um, the paper here didn't know about it. The TV people didn't know about it. And we started covering that story. You remember way back when. And then we began looking a little more strongly at voter rolls and data banks and things. And we discovered some alarming things um, that we shared with you uh, and documented with you. And did, with the help of your donations, really, some of you wonder how we use uh, donations. We use donations to get past some of these walls that are put up, you know, uh, you know, you got to pay for public records, this, that, one, another. Um, there's all sorts of things that uh, government can do to put up a firewall that you can eventually get through, but it takes you time and uh, money and energy to do it. Uh, never mind the expertise to know how to do it. And so we, we started, and, and this is really where I praise, but the investigator instigator so highly he's just absolutely fantastic and uh the ward scott files has been basically the outlet for this we really couldn't find any other news organization that would touch it um even now i exchanged some comments this morning uh with a, a local liar about it who doesn't get doesn't get it you know it's, just, it's really kind of amazing really um uh, thinks it's statistically insignificant. If it's statistically insignificant, well, uh, we're not even scratching the surface. Uh, tell that, tell that to uh, Al Gore. Tell that to Andrew Gillum. Uh, you think it's statistically insignificant? Yeah, you tell it to those guys, particularly on local issues. You think it's statistically insignificant on the Growth Management Act? You think some of these local elections it's statistically in insignificant? Uh, no, it's hugely significant. Uh, but that's not where the general news focuses attention. The general news focuses attention on tamping down the laptop deal of Hunter, uh, making sure that the narrative uh, uh, about the uh, election meets the community standards, uh, which then are applied by 
YouTube and Facebook uh, in a mindless algorithm kind of way. Um, and we discussed this yesterday with our guest. So we have been slowly but surely putting the thing together. And first of all, it got picked up by Politico. That's a big deal with Gary Finop. That is a big, big deal. Okay. Then we got picked up by Newsmax. That is a big, big deal. Okay. And then we got picked up by Breitbart. Breitbart, in my humble opinion, is the best aggregate news website in the country, the world, maybe. The writers are great. They're smart. I know a couple of them personally. I've interviewed one of them on the show. They are on top of their game. Um, they are incredibly good. They're very smart. Um, they are ahead of the curve. Um, that news aggregate is something that I consult several times a day, along with a lot of others, of course. And um, they have now picked up this story. It's on the homepage, front page. And it has already, when I checked just before I went on the air, I received about five or 600 comments. So you don't think this country isn't frustrated about this? If we can, that, that, that only went up this morning when I rose with the chickens, okay? And, and before the sun even crested the forest line here, I'm consulting the news. And this was there. Before the sun had even topped the forest line, uh, this is out there, and within minutes, there's four or 500 reactions to it. You can go to the Breitbart page and hit the story, and we're going to put the link up on the Wartz uh, Hot Bulletin board, and you can check it, and you can see how many, how many comments are pouring in, pouring in about this, and you can draw your conclusions about what this means to the nation. And it started our conversation about that's now got, I don't know, by now I haven't looked at it, might have a thousand responses, started right here in Alachua County and was only covered. Are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? Was only covered by the Ward Scott files. I immediately saw what we had. Okay. I immediately, you think the state attorney, He's tried to kill it. He's sitting on it now. They don't want to get into this. This is a nightmare to them. They would have to admit publicly that they're inept. That things sneak by them all the time. We're not even talking about the judges. So I want to, I want to key you up. I want to clue you up to this. I want you to know this is out there. Go to Breitbart. I will put the link up in a moment on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. We'll put, I think we already have the, I may ask production, we already have Politico and Newsmax up there. Have we got them up there, production? We're going to be up there shortly. We're going to put up Newsmax, Politico, and up now Breitbart. I think production's got them all. And they'll be over on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. You can click on them uh, when we post them up in a little bit here. And you can go read the stories and you can go see the story behind the story. The story behind the story, you're looking at one part of him. The other part, of course, is the great investigator instigator who is tireless in this. 
and is as shocked as I am that there's so much lethargy or ineptness or indifference or uh, blockage or whatever you want to say about getting to the truth. And I've said quite a while now that the real truth about voter beep won't be known for 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, there's just this concerted effort to steer the country in a certain direction. And that direction has many different descriptions. You know, it's called woke or it's called uh, purging yourself or your white guilt. You know, all kinds of crap floats across the, 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 the screen here. That is detritus. It's just detritus from the, um, the crap that's in the brains of a lot of these people. So uh, I, I just wanted to alert you to it. Um, it is uh, really quite amazing uh, that uh, we're the only people really around here. Uh, I did send the story over to uh, Paige Beck this morning. Uh, you know, I've sent it out to some other people, but, uh, you know, they're almost like, oh, well, you know, it's over. Over my rear, I'll tell you, one person who did not ignore it was the governor. And out of this kind of research, trust me, has come the Election Crimes Committee. Trust me. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's all uh, there to be discovered still. We're going to keep pushing it. We're going to keep investigating it. We're going to keep the pressure on and we're going to keep you informed. So there you are. Uh, you know, now, as Paul Harvey used to say, maybe you don't even know who Paul Harvey is uh, or was. Uh, you know the rest of the story. You're just really getting sort of the beginnings of the rest of the story. Now, uh, the other yeah, I'm learning from all this. I'm learning how massive. I don't think cover up is the right word. I think in incompetence, uh, probably investigative incompetence um, there is in the general news. Um, and it's just riddled with and corrupted and perverted by uh, some axe somebody's got to grind who wrote the. I have no axe to grind. The only axe I have to grind is. Fools. I do not suffer fools well. I am all about teaching. I want to teach you to think for yourself. Now, the number one thing you have to do is learn how to research in order to get information that you can put in your work cited as you write your conclusions so we can see where you got your conclusions from. Short of that, without that there, it's just one more opinion. And you know what they say about opinions. Everyone has one, right? And I won't go into the rest of the jingle. But this is what this program is about. This is what keeps me coming back to this microphone and this lens is teaching. And I invite you to get involved to start questioning and start wondering and start pursuing. And you certainly have the ability to reach out to the Ward Scott Files. My contact information is very easy to get. And I thank so many of you who send me information and I, uh, uh, I deem you to be members of the research team 
which is huge. Uh, I don't even, some of the people who have sent me, I don't know personally. Uh, I've never met, but, but they, they listen to what's going on. They're frustrated about uh, information not being shared in the community. And so they send it to me. And after we evaluate it and look at it carefully, we distribute it. We had an enormous hand in the changing of the superintendent, uh, uh, Simon, at the school board. Uh, trust me, we had, we had enormous, enormous numbers of people who were hungry for hungry, as Robert, uh, as uh, Rodney Long would say, for the information on that. And it was the information about Mr. Burton that was so revealing and the way he was treated. So uh, it's, 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 you never know what itch is going to lead to the, you know, I, had, I used to have a friend who was a, a dermatologist, a physician, and he had on his license plate itch doc on his Porsche. And he used to go around saying, if it, if it itches, scratch it. Uh, I thought that was so funny. So, uh, yeah, if you have an itch, scratch it because you don't know what it's going to lead to. But there's so many people who in their professional positions who don't really know how to handle the obligations of their position. All the standards which I am holding myself to are simply self-imposed. There's nobody telling me what to do or how to do it. And that's exactly the way I like it. The only people who are telling me what to do or how to do it are you. And I get feedback and I listen to the feedback and I, where necessary, adjust to the feedback. So I don't have any FCC, which I had on the radio. I don't have a station manager, which I had on the radio. Um, I, I do think there's a need for a network of podcasters like myself to be put together in programming that people who listen to events like this, shows like this, could listen to throughout the day that would be put together by a network coordinator. That was one of the things that occurred to me yesterday as I listened to Mitchell Shaw. Uh, we need a network coordinator, a programmer, if you will, uh, that would put together informative uh, shows like this one, if you consider this to be one, along with others throughout the country. And you could, you know, nine o'clock, listen to this one and 10 o'clock, listen to another one and 11 o'clock, listen to it all throughout the day, even throughout the night. And I'm, I know there's enough out. This is kind of the underground railroad, if you will. This is really kind of radio free Europe, what we're doing here. Uh, what I'm sharing with you about this uh, election beef is, is um, not among the general news. Um, so we are really kind of a, uh, 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 behind, you know, we're, we're, we're underground. I, I, more and more, I see myself as underground, um, not out there because out in the front, there's people won't touch me. There's sponsors, you know, it's very hard to get sponsors for this show because they're scared of, of being canceled by the woke generation, by the woke culture. They're scared. And yet, you know, they, they're perfectly willing to not fight. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. That's OK. I mean, those of you who donate help tremendously. And, uh, you know, we we'll just keep on going. I mean, uh, I don't have a staff. I mean, we got production guys here helping us. 
we got to investigate. We don't have, you know, we're, we, we, we don't have this, you know, Fox News organization or anything like that. We don't have it. So it's, um, you know, sometimes I'm slow in getting back to you all. I apologize. Now, uh, one of the things that's so interesting to me right now, because I've been involved with this, is this term that I use today, uh, originalism, originalism. Originalism is the term that's being used to decide whether or not uh, this Jackson woman is a good candidate for the Supreme Court. I've watched her. I, I have a lot of trouble believing for a moment that she's not carrying with her all the baggage uh, that you would expect her to carry, even though she's very good at claiming she isn't carrying it. Uh, I, I just don't I don't believe it. And it's, it's easy to take a look. One of the telling places is where she's on the board of trustees of a, a college that is up over its head in sticking the critical race theory in the curriculum. And when she was asked about that, she said the trustees had nothing to do with what was in the curriculum. Uh, let me tell you something. I know what a trustee's role is. I've been on the boards, okay? If the board doesn't approve of it, it doesn't happen. All right. Period. So when she says, oh, that's not my role, she is pulling the proverbial wool, in my humble opinion, over your eyes. If she's on the board of trustees of a college that is saturated with this 1619 stuff and critical race theory and the sins of whiteness and all this crap, you can guarantee it's in her DNA. I got off a board. I got, I'm going to tell you publicly, I was on the board of Lizzie Jenkins Rosewood Foundation organization. And let me tell you, then you know, I'm going to tell you publicly, and I've, I've told her this. When George Floyd, I got on that board because I was the first one to give my good friend, Lizzie, a, an audience at Santa Fe College, probably about 1985, so, so somewhere along her, on her research into Rosewood. Brought her into my research class, and, and, and there we went. I was on the board for a while here a couple of years ago. And I was very interested in being on it because I wanted to help her do her research in a responsible, professional way. And have, you know, one of the things I was helping with, I'm getting ready to help with, was the essay competition for young people to get a scholarship uh, by the foundation to go to school. I thought that's someplace where I could really help. Well, along came the George Floyd incident, and a lady on the board, I guess, whom I couldn't identify, I don't, you know, we met by by Zoom then, um, prepared this statement. And this, and this was before there had been any conclusion in the trial about the guilt or lack of guilt of the officers with Floyd. And the statement was written by a member of the board, as I recall, that said the board was uh, coming out and taking a stand against the murder of George Floyd. And if you didn't agree with that stand, 
you shouldn't be on the board. In other words, there was an all or nothing uh, commitment you had to make to that statement. Well, you can imagine how I reacted to that. I said, hold on a minute. I got on the Rosewood Foundation board because the original incident was a classic incident of a lack of due process. That whole thing was started by a woman who was having an affair with a man and then lied about it and said it was a black man. And then, wow, off went the mob and the rush to judgment. That was wrong. I was for bringing out that story, the lack of due process. And now as a board member, I'm being asked to find a man guilty before the jury had and to support that comment or get off the board. Well, guess what? It took me 20 seconds to say I'm off the board, period. I'm gone. I'm not going to be a part of something that hypocritical. And these people thought they were doing the right thing. So when this Jackson woman tells you that she's on the board and doesn't know anything about what's going on in the curriculum, she's pulling the wool over your eyes. You darn sure do, or you should. So I didn't want to be associated with that. I would have stayed on that board to hell froze over if it had taken a stand Supporting due process. Due process. There you are. Yours truly might be a little bit quick and fast for me to help you understand this, but that's the way it is. Now, I'm the same guy who invited my good friend into the class to talk about this before it was even fashionable. because I was interested in the research of it. So what is an originalist? It is very tough for people to define. It's very tough for people to do. And I'm going to prepare a presentation on that when I have a little more time and walk you think through how I think it works. But I'm unfortunately not going to have, or fortunately, depending upon your interest right now, not going to get into it. But I'm going to explore for you what the term means to a professor of research, a professor of writing, and help you maybe have a discussion you won't maybe see or hear anywhere else in the public news media, just as we are the only ones who got the election B story out now out on through Bart. So as I sign off, let me just talk to my production guys. Evan, do you have the links you need or I need to send them to you? Okay, he's got them. We're going to be putting them up. Uh, have a great weekend uh, and uh, take care and uh, enjoy, hopefully, the wonderful weather. Warthog Command Center out.